Hayes, for the most fulfilling years of his chaotic life, could see a buzz of trembling lights. An armada of canoes had come together overnight, and he could see now in the water right below him pink and yellow petals from the flowers that the people of New Lagos had released into the stream. On the other bank, a little string of boats constructed from banana leaves were tangled in the reeds. A light emerged out of the pulsing mass of brightness and began to shimmer up the stream toward him. And living as he did, before the camera was a common object, he built a book of memories in his mind. In deep focus, he looked east across the marsh toward the hills, which in the lifting darkness had begun to show their edges in the bluish-gray collage of earth and sky. Dark and undulating, they approached from either side, a gentle rise and fall that gathered force, congealing in the cratered cone of Mount Diablo, the volcano that had caused implosions in his life. Eugenia wasn't sleeping, this he knew, and as he thought again about the multi-stranded nodding of her complicated love, he panned now to the north. From his elevation he could see the marshland merging with repeated frames of cattle farms and cane. Satisfied, He walked around the deck, which, like the roof, was shaded by an overhang of thatch. He looked toward the south in the direction of Seville, where he'd lived for seven years. The little capital was shadowed, but even in the brightest light it would have been obscured by stands of trees. From a wooden box below the window ledge, he took a pewter flask, poured a drink, and gripped the rail a little tighter, waiting for the light. He slowly drank until the darkness broke apart, and he could see the steeple of his church, a long white-shafted arrow pointed at the sky, and the school above the town that he'd built with funds obtained in secret from the father of the girl. With his eyes, he drew a line from Mount Diablo to the steeple of the church. A flow of superheated ash and rocks could swamp it very quickly. The year before in Martinique, Mount Pelé blew nearly 30,000 dead. Six months later in St. Vincent, Soufrière surprised the world again, nearly 1,600 more. Eugenia stirred behind him, and temptation snaked along his guts. He heard the sheets against her shoulders, the crackle of the matting in the pallet when she turned, and he braced himself for an eruption of her young volcanic love Vows of deep affection swirling with a mass of jagged taunts, since it had seemed unfair to her that he'd allowed his other obligations, which he didn't always keep, to leave her damp and longing. Giving partial vent to his desires, he began to think of what would happen if he turned. In his mind, he pulled the parted shutters wide and reached inside the darkened room. His breathing getting short, He saw his body leaning, the reaching of his arm, saw her lying on her side, her face toward the hairy wall, a hand beneath her face, the other clamped between her knees, and then his trembling hand now climbing up the gradient of her soft, upslanted thigh, then sledding from her hip into the hollow of her waist, and now his fingers walking up the rung of bones along her ribs into the fatty dampness of her breasts as he wondered if she would forgive him if he showed some sign of willingness to try. Another sip, he thought, 
would bring the courage to resist his fears and climb across the ledge into the room. There he would disrobe himself of collar, cape, and vestments. But that would not be right. Antonio, his confidant and helper for the last four years, would be arriving soon, and Father Eddie's need for women, the reason that his flock had made a present of this nest above the marsh, was a fairly open secret, guarded by a people who believed that chastity was not the most important talent of a priest. For them it was more crucial to be loyal and discreet. When he heard Antonio call his name, the young priest made his way toward the front, where he could see the older man, who was standing upright in a striped canoe, thirty feet below, white-haired, dark, and slender. Father, everything okay? The young priest raised his hand, commanding silence, and answered in a voice that was low, but not a whisper, that his trunks had been transported.